This is a CBC Podcast. On Rochelle Street, across from the Angus Yards, there's a little park with a sign. It says the park was named after Annie Montgomery, a nurse who back in 1900 was the superintendent of a smallpox hospital here. It would later be named the Centre Préfontaine. That old hospital is gone now. The city ordered its demolition in 2013 when a promoter tried to start restoration work and found that the structure was too far gone to save. But there's a bit of history about the Centre Préfontaine that doesn't fit on that park sign. And it's about what happened in that building back in the summer of 2001. Let's see. Gosh, like I haven't been here for so yeah. long. Like, I used to come and get my groceries here. Alana Thane lived down near Ontario Street at the time. She had just moved back to Montreal in the midst of a housing crisis. I had lived here in the 90s, and it was dirt cheap to live here. In the 2000s, I was shocked at having to pay, you know, $500 a month for a five and a half. And she remembers when a group of people began squatting in the Centre Préfontaine. Well, I remember it was in the news a lot. It seemed like a very political kind of occupation. There were lots of different kinds of people living there, including some families. It was both an attempt to kind of call attention to the lack of access to housing at that time, but also it seemed like people had basically organized as a community as well. And then what I really remember is, again, like a big violent eviction. With Montreal in a housing crisis once again, Alana Thane finds herself thinking back on that time. Yeah, I mean, I would be super curious to know what happened with the Fréfontaine squat for the people who lived there, where they went and, and what they wanted from it. But I would also really like to know what kind of responsibility the government has when they come in and they evict people from housing situations. Is that really the best that they can do? Hi, I'm Ainsley McClellan, and this is Good Question Montreal. Thanks to Alana Thane for asking this question and giving us the chance to explore an angle of the housing issue that doesn't get a lot of attention, squatting. What is the history and culture of squatting in Montreal? What are the laws around it? How do authorities respond? And what about this brief moment in history when a group of young activists, families, punks, and unhoused people occupied an old hospital building? What can that teach us about the housing crisis today? To answer these questions, I decided to enlist some help from a colleague of mine who has done a lot of stories about housing in Montreal. Okay, one, two, one, two. Check one, one, two. Okay, let me get you to introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Erica Morris. I'm a digital journalist here at CBC Montreal. And you're here to talk squatting. I'm here to talk squatting. Before we get into this whole conversation, maybe we should start by defining what a squat actually is. So, like, what is a squat? Well, there's two types of squats. There's what you usually imagine in your head when you're thinking of squatters, which would be, you know, people who might be, you know, unhoused, who find abandoned buildings and squat there out of necessity. But then there's also political squats, right? People will, will take over a building to draw attention to a housing crisis or there's a lack of cultural spaces. And what kind of history does Montreal have with squatting? We don't have a huge history, but there's a lot of interesting bits starting all the way back in the 1940s after the Second World War. A lot of soldiers that came back from the war formed a labor party and they realized that, you know, they might not necessarily have a lot to come back to. And so through this, they started occupying buildings. Then in 1976... Landlords around the Olympic site raised their rents, pushing low-income earners out. 
Dozens of homeless families squatted in two Montreal schools. After a five-week standoff, they were evicted, placed in social housing. In the 80s was really interesting because there was a building on Overdale here in Montreal. The people who were living there were getting evicted from their building, but they just decided to stay. And so they basically squatted their own building. News footage from 1988 shows residents of the building being dragged out by police and arrested for defying the eviction order. It was all to make room for a real estate development that didn't get built. And a lot of the buildings around it got destroyed, you know, bulldozed. Uh, but that one building on Overdale ended up staying. So then we fast forward to 2001 and... Montreal at that time is in a housing crisis. There is this critically low vacancy rate. And this is when this squat that Alana Thane remembers gets started. What did you find out about the origins of that squat? Well, what's really interesting about that one is that it's the same building on Overdale that hmm. I was just talking about. The tour commenced by a march in the rue de la ville. People who were activists at the time, they were like, we know a lot of people are going to be unhoused come July 1st. And so we want to make sure that, you know, we draw attention to the situation. They started taking up this building on Overdale. And also it was right in the middle of the municipal campaign between uh, Pierre Bourque and Gérald Tremblay. So it was kind of like a perfect timing to organize uh, an action like this. I spoke to Mathieu Crondin. He was actually one of the two spokespeople for the whole squad. We've made a big victory for squatting in Quebec and in Montreal. So we took over that, that building. It was an empty building. There was not even like uh, toilets in there, you know. Knowing the Montreal police and how they behave, we thought we were going to stay there three hours and get kicked out. But somehow we managed to stay three days. The landlord of that heritage building, the same one from back in the 1980s, he was tough to track down to sign the eviction order. And by then, the squatters had settled in and had started drawing public attention and support. Donations of money, food and mattresses poured in. Carlos Borges drove all the way from Chateauguay. It's not now that we are going to realize the value of the gesture. In five, ten years from now, we say we'll recall Overdale. It was a nice symbolic step. This is on Overdale and the one that Alana Thane was talking about, she remembers it being on Préfontaine. So how did they end up going from Overdale to Préfontaine? So the city actually gave them the Préfontaine building in order to get them to leave the Overdale building. So they had this rehabilitation center that was abandoned. I, I can imagine that that would be a bit of a shocking thing to have this offer happen. How did Mathieu Grondin like, receive that news that they were going to get this building? Well, he didn't expect it at all. He just got this message. They were like, oh, the mayor wants to meet us. One night, we're sitting in a parking lot, smoking a joint, and then my phone rings. My, I had like a flip phone back then. <laughs> it was a cell phone. And uh, it's Mayor Pierre Bourque on the phone, and he wants to meet us because he has an offer to propose, and it was to move to the Squat Prefontaine. And so we were like, what the f***? We, we agreed to meet them, so we showed up, and there was, like, everybody, like, the mayor, the city workers, the cops, the firemen. They were, like, 20, and we were, like, two kids. And they were like, yeah, well, we have this other building, but you could get it for free. We'd give it to you, you know? So we went to visit it. We're like, well, there's a lot of stuff we could do there. 
you try to imagine this kind of situation today, a protest breaking out, people are occupying a building. The city says, here, take this other building that we have for you. What did you find out about why the city would have done that? Well, again, it was in the context of an election and they had been under fire for the way they were handling the housing crisis, right? We spoke with uh, François Saillant, who's an ex-militant. He was with Frappru at the time, which is a housing group. It becomes very big on the media, and it became a political problem for the mayor, uh, Pierre Bourque. This was an election year. Gérald uh, Tremblay was uh, a monate for uh, the mayor, so it embarrassed him very, very much. But the mayor don't want to tell you that he didn't have the choice because of the electoral context, because there was a crisis in July the 1st. We uh, decided to relocate those who were in Overdale here, and uh, it's our decision, and we'll see their behavior, how they're going to behave in the future. They have to respect their neighborhood. We'll see. We'll see. So they move into this Prefontaine building. What did Mathieu Grondin tell you about what it was like there? Well, there was a lot of different types of people. There were his activists, buddies who had come out there, but there was, you know, punks, squeegees, unhoused people, families who were kicked out of their places. So there was like this clash between us, who were political activists, the squeegees, the families, and then we were anarchists, we didn't want to make any rules, but then after a week, like some kids were shooting heroin next to family. <laughs> so we were like, well, we're gonna have to make one first rule, no hard drug on site. And then that ensued a two day long general assembly. And we were really, really young. You know, we were lucky enough to have some mentors, people who were like in their 40s and had done these fights in the 80s to counsel us a little bit because all of a sudden, you know, we were, we were a bunch of left-wing activists, university students. We were just trying to do something because we thought it was the right thing to do. But we had, you know, we were not social workers. We had absolutely no background to do this. And then that's where the problem started in a way, because all of a sudden we were a bit like overwhelmed by everything. But it really goes to show like how hard the housing crisis would hit people. I mean, people of all walks of life were were found in this squat. As we say, this squat, it lasts into the fall. And Alana says that she remembers the eviction, remembers watching this eviction happen on television. Ça s'est passé de façon assez musclée. Il y en a qui ont résisté. Il y a eu des arrestations. She described it as a violent uh, eviction. Can you give us a sense of how it got to that point? We, Radio-Canada, CBC, we have footage of the evictions and the stuff that was leading up to that. You had people meeting up with the mayor at press conferences and handing him their bills. Here's my tax bill and my electricity bill, she says. If you're paying for theirs, you can pay for mine. And everybody was jealous. But, you know, none of these people would have put the hard work in to feed all these mouths, you know, and, and go around all the grocery stores and ask them for their stuff they were going to throw out. Well, we were actually working our asses off so bad, you know, to make it work. You know, the criticism that had come in from the housing crisis and the people that were supporting the squad at first kind of dwindled. So there was kind of like a backlash against Pierre Bourque. Uh, he's kind of freaking out at some point. 
happening ultimately is that the fire department went in, found a crack in the building and was like, we need to evacuate this for your own safety. And there's a catalyst at one point, right? Yeah, well, it's September 2001, so 9-11 happens. And Mathieu Condé, when I was speaking with him, he really says, like, I remember, you know, the media was hounding us. And then 9-11 happens and there's not a camera in sight. The media had moved on. And it created the perfect conditions for this eviction to happen and not be as prominent in the media, at least so he said. Bonjour à ceux et celles qui joignent à nous. Ben, les squatteurs qui occupaient depuis deux mois l'édifice Préfontaine dans le quartier Rosemont, Montréal, ont finalement été expulsés par la police. police 5 a.m., the riot squad. Uh, just goes into the building, kicks everybody out, out on the street, without their belongings. Um, a lot of people were there. That's the only thing they had in life, and they, they, they lost a lot of it, and they could never recover it. The services sociaux vont être ici pour vous, pour vous prendre en charge. I went through a depression after this for like a months. I never touched back politics uh, until a decade later. But even if Mathieu Grondin was discouraged by the end of the squat, it did have an impact. Just a few years later, it inspired another community action in the historically working-class neighborhood of Point St. Charles in the Sud-West. After a bunch of residents and community groups came together to reject a proposal for a casino project and ultimately ended up being handed a building to run a community center called Batsima Set. And so they really mobilized at the time and they were like, you know what, we don't want a new casino in uh, expansion in Point St. Charles. We want housing and we want uh, a cultural center. And so they started squatting in a bunch of buildings. In between 2007 and 2009, we just occupy empty buildings. We do a party, we do a cultural event. I spoke with uh, Margot Silvestro and she was there in the early beginnings of the Batsimas set. In May 2009, we did occupy a former uh, factory uh, on the Lachin Canal. We, we were like 500 people uh, with a demo and we, we stayed there one night. The police uh, kick us out. And eventually, uh, through forming a cooperative and starting these conversations with the city, they, you know, identified a building. The landlord that owned uh, the land, he needs a zoning change to do uh, this project. So uh, the city have a, a lever to ask him for some things. So we did push on the city borough, south, Southwest borough, to ask for 25% of social housing, 25% of green land, and the building to do a community center. After like five, six years, the borough says, okay, I'm on your side. We're going to ask the landlord to uh, give you the building. And the landlord, he accepts. They ended up just handing over the building to the community along with a million dollars to repair and fix it up mm. to then turn it into a community center. So we won the building in 2017. We got the key and that started the Batsma set. 
So one thing that was different between the people at Bâtiment 7 and the people at Préfontaine Overdale, for example, is that the people of the Préfontaine squad did not want to form a co-op. They didn't want to form any kind of community organization. Right. But the people at Bâtiment 7 did. That was really a, a neighborhood struggle. We were not a few, a few anarchists. We were like uh, many organizations in the neighborhood. We did some direct actions. We had lobbying to the city. We had also another organization talking to the landlord, negotiated with him. While doing so, we were doing squatting. It was a diversity of tactics, and that was the, the key. I spoke with Benoit Doré. He is the mayor of the Sud-Ouest and also works on the housing file at the city. He wanted to do everything by the book. You know, he was like, sure, we'll, we'll support you. We'll support this project because you've done this legally, as he insists. Even though they started out by squatting buildings, right? But he was saying, you know, they would have never just let them take Batsimaset had they just started occupying the building and just said, we want it. I don't think the city would have said yes. There was the, the neighborhood pressure. We just won against the casinos, so... There was a, a political climate that, that was good for us. So I don't think that just squad a building will work. One of my hope is that with the, that housing crisis right now and all the empty office buildings and condo buildings, we can have that hope that people would stand up and go squatting and go asking something. But I think that the political climate actually is not in that way. Longtime activist François Sayan says this, too. These days, with the soaring rents and the financialization of housing, the housing crisis looks different than it did in the past. So activists are using different tactics. Right now, it's not the kind of thing that the people are looking for, the, the activists, uh, anarchists or other. Uh, right now, they think more about a rent strike in Montreal. Do we have a sense of how much squatting is happening in Montreal right now? It's hard to say. We don't have any of these big, overly political squads that are in your face, but we do have a lot of unhoused people who are finding shelter. I spoke with Philippe Desmarais from Popir, which is a housing group in the Sud-Ouest. What we see in Montreal that we actually don't see, it's not going to get in the medias or you're not going to hear about it. Like people that are living in an empty apartment and they will keep it secret. Because the moment that it's public, it's it's over, right? Because of that, we don't know how many people are squatting for survival. Calls to police are just logged as trespassing. So it's a phenomenon that remains invisible. What is more visible is that lots of people over the past few years have been living in tents in Montreal. Benoit Doré says when the city dismantles encampments, intervention workers direct people towards shelters and services. And then it's up to, you know, the individual to decide whether or not they want to go to the shelter because they might refuse for a multitude of reasons. Beyond that, the city has increased fines for owners who don't maintain their vacant buildings. They also have to secure them to make sure that no one, including squatters, can break in. As of this year, owners will have to register vacant buildings with the city. And Doré says there's more housing on the way for people facing homelessness. Another 400 units are in the works. But in the meantime, for some, squatting remains a precarious and short-term solution, often with legal consequences. Is there a legal condition under which someone could squat a building and win the legal right to it in the long term? 
Yes, but realistically, no. Uh, you would have to occupy the building openly for 10 whole years. The law is there, but in practice, not so much. So when you're in precarious housing, 10 years is a huge amount of time. A lot of young people I work with have been criminalized for trespassing. I spoke with Jane Malenfant. They are a professor at McGill, and they have done a lot of research into housing and housing justice. They brought up the fact that in Canada we passed the right to housing, but in practice, what does that really look like? We can see even somewhere like Montreal where there just isn't housing for everyone. People might be working and still not able to afford housing. That housing can't really be a right, which is often what squatting movements are arguing that actually housing is something everyone should have access to and should control. And we can't have both. We can't have these spaces that are being bought up increasingly by investors and treated as commodities and then also say everyone has a right to housing. And so a lot of folks would say it doesn't really mean much. In, unless that system is, is addressed. We still have a hard time imagining what the right to housing, how that looks here. Really interesting stuff. Um, thank you so much for looking into it for us and bringing us the story. Thanks for having me. That's CBC Digital journalist Erica Morris, who researched and reported this episode. Thanks to Alana Thane for asking this week's question. If you have a question about Montreal that you'd like us to answer, you can go to cbc.ca slash goodquestionmontreal. Good Question Montreal is produced by Sarah Dubray, with story editing and sound design by Craig Dessen. Big thanks to media librarian Joseph Rogers, who's been delving into the archives for us. I'm Ainsley McClellan. Thanks for asking. Talk to you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.